Welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. One of the most commonly heard arguments of why people don't choose organic food is either that it is a greenwashing hoax or too expensive. And so being the organic advocates that we are, we try to communicate the values of organic food from the growing and its environmental benefits to flavor, the nutritional attributes, to the health of communities, the healing power of the land, bees, waterways, biodiversity, and so much more in one way or another every week in each episode. Eating organic food is an act that benefits the self and the community at large on every level of society. And so this week, we want to focus on the financial commitment that it takes to eat organic. Or not. Wildly affordable organic, eat healthy on a budget, is our topic today with an expert who has some very simple tips and valuable tried and true advice to share with us in this hour on how to eat organic on just a few dollars a day. We're your hosts, Helge Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. Well, lots of different perspectives that come into this topic about eating organic and mm -hmm. why you can or cannot do so or have or have not chosen to do so. Something else that has a lot of differing perspectives, particularly around this time, is the Olympics. <laughs> How's what that did you, for a What segue? did you pick up again? <laughs> <laughs> well, so this year we're going to be having Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. And the Olympics, although it is an ancient Greek tradition, in the form that we know it has been around for about 120 years. It started in um, 1894, 120 years ago, and that was formed by the International Olympic Committee, the IOC, who dictate the rules for how the Olympics are governed, how they happen. And, you know, it it's a beautiful tradition of athleticism and the triumph of human spirit and your cultural pride. There are so many things that the Olympics have come to stand for. For many of us, these opinions about the Olympics formed when we were very young. Mm -hmm. And um, this has been an Olympic riddled with controversy. Yes. Uh, and I think there's controversies. <laughs> it's every, not the first one. It's probably yeah. not, not going to be the last yeah. one. I mean, one of the things for me is uh, growing up and watching it and just participating in it has always been the beauty of, as you stated, Sita, where cultures can come together, people of, you they may, you may be fighting each other in a war or something like that, and yet your countries can come together and compete against each other and share each other's cultures. And I've always found just a beauty in that, um, in that sharing of, that we each have. And, but this year, you know, there's a, there are a couple of the controversial things are some of the human rights laws that have been recently passed in Russia. Um, things like uh, it's illegal to show any type of uh, gay uh, propaganda or it's, it's illegal to... Uh, affection. Uh, I, I don't think you can kiss somebody publicly from, of the same sex. Um, that would be considered gay and illegal. And yeah, and there, and then also, uh, you know, you, you can't insult a religious leader. That's that's actually illegal to insult a religious leader or hurt their feelings. Well, it should be legal to insult anyone. Yeah, <laughs> well, and but I mean, the point is, is that there's a lot of things that are happening, um, and how they're they're punishing anybody who's speaking up against the the country. And so, 
There's a lot of uh, there's a, the controversy this year is that people are saying, should we boycott the Olympics? Should we support these type of efforts? And it's never simply just black or white or because there's a lot of things going on in the world. And but it is something that, you know, is worth looking at. Yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, I remember when I was, you know, four or five, six, seven years old, that young, the most moving moments on TV were the German team competing. And, you know, it, of, of course, all the women cry, even the men cry on stage winning a silver or a gold medal. You hear the national anthem, anthem and yet there are no weapons involved. You know, there's no... Um, as you said, it's a, it, you know, quote-unquote fair competition <clears throat> if you leave any doping and steroids and, and all that out. But it's really athletes working hard every day for hours and hours, for months and years to maybe get there and then compete on that stage. It's beautiful. Um, it's incredibly moving. It's as peaceful. It has that United Nation feel to it. Mm -hmm. And yet, um, I... You know, Sochi or not, um, gay rights is, is is a topic in Germany, long established um, marriage act over 10 years ago. Um, it seems backwards, and it's that international light that the Olympics can bring to to discuss those mm -hmm. things on a on a public level. What I'm always hung up with is the last 10 years or so that I watched the Olympics is the commercialism. I think it has so gone over overboard. Between 1952 and 1972, actually, <clears throat> the IOC was led by a gentleman that was absolutely outspoken against commercializing the sports mm -hmm. and saying, you know, this is just a get-together and we need to somehow finance it. And it's, you know, countries coming together to compete in a, in the fairest way possible for three weeks or two weeks or four, four weeks. And, um, and we all get to witness, right, the best athletes in the world. It had that pure sense of, of innocence to it. That changed in 72, and now it is a multi-billion dollar corporation, actually. The Olympics are not owned by collectively or by different countries, or everyone has a representative like the United Nations. It's actually a company. And, for example, um, NBC uh, bought the TV rights already from 2000 to 2012 for the Olympics and spent $3.5 billion just on the TV rights. And in order to have a company... Um, have advertisement run during the Olympics and using the the Olympic rings and uh, you know saying you're a proud sponsor of the Olympics. Um, it's a fifty million dollar club. You have to become a member of the IOC and it's a fifty million dollar ticket. So I don't know that there, there's a there's a of course it needs to be funded. I understand that there's a budget, um, but that kind of money should go back to the athletes, to the people who are actually the actors on stage, right, who struggle often with public funding not being enough to be a professional athlete um, as an amateur, right? That's the, that's the deal with the Olympics, to train 8, 10, 12 hours a day and barely making it financially until they have a name and then hopefully get some kind of sponsorship deal to fund their flight over there. And, um, and if you qualify, that's part of, of the country's commitment to pay for it. Um, but in, in the face of having it be a billion-dollar corporation, the Olympics, it, it is so commercialized, and it's, I think it's very sad. It's sad that um, it takes the purity out for me quite a bit. So well, you know, I'll still watch it, and I will still am for any, any country that wins, be it a Jamaica with the sleigh bob, right, that Bobsled. they had, <laughs> had, which I love. I just the spirit is amazing, and yet it's... It, I don't know why we have to jump on everything and commercialize it to that degree and take then the innocence. 
and and change something that was a part of it and it's very forming i mean in ancient greece when the games first started it was a celebration of man's love for man and a celebration of the male form Hmm. and Mm -hmm. now for them to say you can't show any kind of love for the same sex i mean men or women but yeah exactly exactly it's going against something that was really the very foundation of the games yeah for me um the german president actually joachim gauck uh, is boycotting the games the german president will not go angela merkel the the german chancellor and it's you know germany russia we are almost neighboring countries um, said she she will go she's not for boycotting but she hopes that the olympic games will shed a light on those injustices that are happening Mm -hmm. on a political Mm -hmm. level so you know hopefully some good will come out of it that um, Russia, China, where human rights issues are so in the face of everyone, um, still, we will we will find some clarity there and some change. May it be so. May You're listening so. to an organic conversation. Um, Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Back from the Olympics, from the international stage to um, other kind of finances <laughs> and budgets. Our topic of this episode is wildly affordable organic. Eat healthy on a budget. We will share the best tips with you on how to make this year the one where most of your diet perhaps comes from organic choices and how they will not affect or even benefit your budget. Is that possible? You'll find out. Um, before we dive into that topic fully, as always, though, here's Sita Rani Palomar uh, with the world of health and beauty and her holistic bite. Thanks, Helga. Well, last week I talked about weight loss tips because we're in the new year and we're thinking about how do we get ourselves in the healthiest shape we've ever, ever experienced and ever dreamed of. And and one of the things that comes up in weight loss is the idea of anti-inflammatory foods. This is something that is very important to me and to many people. <laughs> Helga, as he leans into my camera. Oh. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> but the thing about about this is that if you are somebody who's experiencing some pain or somebody who is just looking to make anti-inflammatory foods a part of your preventative diet, there are the basics of reducing your acid-forming foods and increasing your alkalizing foods. And those ingredients tend to be vegetables. But there are a few other things that you can add to that list. And I want to discuss kind of three categories today because you may or may not already have them in your diet, and they're really quite easy to incorporate. The first one is millet. Millet is a whole grain, and whole grains are great anti-inflammatory foods because they are rich in fiber and fiber really helps to cleanse the gut and that can reduce gut inflammation. And with melon in particular, it has a really strong essential amino acid profile. I think it's only missing one of the essential amino acids and that's lysine. And it is also one of the easiest to digest grains. So millet has a very buttery flavor if you toast the grains before you cook it, and it only takes about 20 to 25 minutes to cook. And something that I enjoy doing is millet porridge for breakfast and putting an herbal tea bag in with the water while the millet is cooking. You could do apple cinnamon, you could do chamomile, but it's going to infuse the flavor of the water and give you a really delicious, unique aromatic millet porridge that you can have for breakfast. So another anti-inflammatory superstar, turmeric. 
and ginger. These are two ingredients that have been used in Ayurvedic medicine for thousands and thousands of years, and we see them traditionally in Indian mm -hmm. food. No big surprise there. And turmeric, with its curcumin, which is a, an incredibly, I mean, there have been lots of studies that show about its anti-inflammatory power, its ability to reduce pain. An easy way to get more turmeric into your diet is to eat a curry dish once mm -hmm. a week because turmeric is what gives curry that that orange, mm -hmm. super yellow orange color. And another thing you could do is you could make yourself turmeric tea. There's a wonderful recipe by Hilary Swanson, who's the author of 101 Cookbooks, a very fantastic blog. And what she talks about is mixing ground turmeric with honey and then creating this turmeric paste that she pours hot water over and then adds some lemon and drinks that to reduce to reduce pain as part sure. of a, a daily mm -hmm. morning habit. Mm -hmm. And then another thing is um, mung bean. Beans are also high in fiber, which make them great anti-inflammatory foods, but there's something about mung that is really fantastic for reducing inflammation throughout the body. And mung is easy to incorporate into your diet because it is basically, it's it's a staple for using um, in, in dal, which is an Indian lentil soup. So if you want to start using mung and you've never cooked with it before, you can begin by using it instead of lentils in whatever is your traditional lentil soup recipe. You can also use it instead of chickpeas to make your hummus. And then mm. you're going to get all of these fantastic, it's, it's wonderfully nutritious. It's an excellent um, assisted ingredient for flushing out toxins, which is why you see it in a lot of Ayurvedic diets as well. And then as one more quick side note, I talked about foods that are great for reducing inflammation. If you suffer from some joint pain, something you might want to consider is reducing the nightshades in your diet. Nightshades are eggplants, tomatoes, peppers, and potatoes. And they have an alkaloid in them that they found does increase joint stiffness and maybe has a negative impact on digestion. There are different effects for different people. But if it's something that you are suffering with, something that you're dealing with on a regular basis is some joint pain, you may want to try cutting the nightshades out of your diet and seeing if that lessens the pain. And then, of course, incorporating more anti-inflammatory foods. That's this week's Holistic Bite. Wow, thank you, Sita, Chef Sita and Holistic Bite. How do you toast millet? I mean, I, I tried that once and it didn't come out of the toaster. <laughs> it flew everywhere. You're supposed to put it on a pan. Oh, really? No, how do you how do you do it how do you, when you say well, toasting millet? With all grains, you want to rinse them first because they could have any kind of dust or particles mm -hmm. on them. But then what you do is you put it into a hot pan and you just stir it around on low heat. The water will evaporate and then you'll be toasting the grain. And it brings out the nutty <coughs> quality in most rices aromatic quality in mm. jasmine rice mm. in particular, mm. nutty in quinoa, but mm. with millet, it smells like buttered popcorn mm -hmm. when you toast to the grains. Nice. So there's one reason just to do it right there. Right there. Make your house Talking smell like buttered Talking about the nutty popcorn. quality, Mark. Well, <laughs> speaking <laughs> of nutty quality, yeah. I mean, so just like a few minutes, like two or three minutes of, of stirring that millet around in a pan? You wouldn't I, know, right? You know. I, you know what? I've never oh, okay. timed it. I think okay. three minutes is probably a good estimate, but I'm always just acutely aware <laughs> of the aroma. So it starts to get like a little brownish, or yeah. it's just the, the aroma color, that you're looking for. Well, with for. this in particular, millet gets a little bit more golden yellow. It's okay. yellow to begin sure, with, but the yellow sure. gets a little bit more yeah. vibrant. And, and do sweet potatoes fall into that nightshade category, do you know? Or? You know, I'm not positive, so don't quote me on this, but I think the answer is no. Okay, they're I think a tuber, I not a potato. Yeah. I think I even, yeah, I think I heard that it does not have the same alkaloid that mm -hmm. the nightshades do. Okay. Good we'll, question. We'll we should get, look we'll into get that. the answer to that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Thank you, Sita, and her holistic bite.
You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Wilkay. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic is wildly affordable organic. Eat healthy on a budget. How to make this year the all organic diet year and actually save money doing so. Is that possible? We'll find out. We have a fantastic guest coming up. That and more when we come back. Stay tuned. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. And I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And leaning into the camera I was, because you can follow us now also as a video podcast, and you can do so on talkstreamnetwork.com if you want to see some of the protos we are holding up, or Mark's shirts, or anything else we might be <laughs> exposing, talkstreamnetwork.com. <laughs> Like a also, <laughs> facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. And of course, all of our shows, including this one, you can listen to and find in a large archive on our brand new homepage. That is anorganicconversation.com. Check it out. Our topic in this hour is wildly affordable organic, eat healthy on a budget. And our guest is a woman who has made that topic to make organic available to anyone even with budgetary challenges, um, her mission in life. She's a well-known author, and she's joining us from Raleigh, from Raleigh, North Carolina, um, Linda Watson. Linda, are you with us? Yes, delighted to be here. <laughs> delighted to have you. Yes. Thanks for joining Thanks us, for Linda. joining us. Thanks for making the time. Mark. So, Linda, what, what's it like in Raleigh today? It's freezing cold. It was so warm just yesterday, and now it's almost sleet. So we're feeling pretty brisk over here. Well, yeah, <laughs> we've had the cold weather here all week too. So, Linda, let's just get right into it. Why, you know, what 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 made you want to make a organ affordable organic your mission, or to create a book from it? I had been working in politics for a while, and really felt like we had done pretty well. We had elected some fabulous people, and I'm sure I was with the party that all of your listeners are with, each and every one. <laughs> so you could just do that. Uh, and <laughs> I felt that the people that we got elected were doing a good job, but they were having to make a lot of compromises. And the solutions to some of the big problems, global warming, human suffering, the economy even, were so far in the future that I got discouraged and then I found out about the food stamp challenge, and I realized that by just voting with your fork, we can make a difference right away with every meal. And I devoted my life to that afterwards. I love that, voting with your fork. 
it's it's voting with your dollar. You know what I mean? Where you put your money really because because we do have a lot of commercialism and because the people who are influencing a lot of policy are having a lot of funds to do so. So choosing the right things can really dictate the path that you're going to go. And an interesting thing about organic food is that in many cases, or in some cases, it does cost more than conventional because it is reflecting the true cost of production, because it isn't a, a subsidized ingredient that's being used for genetic modification and filler foods and all kinds of things. And so rightfully so, we may see a higher price point. But the, what I'm curious here, because you work with people on many different levels, is how do you work with them to get them to move beyond their hesitations for purchasing organic? Ew. One of the best investments you can make is to buy healthy food. And I've shown time and time again that you can afford to eat even organic food on a food stamp budget. I just finished last um, November and December a new SNAP cut challenge where I ate on the old SNAP or food stamp allowance for a week and then on the reduced SNAP allowance that they cut on November 1st last year, we were able to eat mostly organic even on a reduced SNAP allowance. But we did it by eating seasonal food, eating low on the food chain, and not wasting a scrap. These are skills that we need to have everybody learn, even in elementary school. It's not too early to start teaching how to cook great food and how to enjoy fresh, real food at the very young ages. And that interesting that you're saying that, Linda, um, because that actually used to be a course in most high schools, home economics, right? Mm -hmm. You used to learn to cook. You used to learn to do some basic things to take care of yourself and or a family uh, in, in that case. Mm. And learning how to cook, you know, taught you how to cook things like grains and some of these foods that are lower on the food chain like you're talking about. You, you are so right. And I was teaching, I'm, I actually teach people how to teach cooking. And one of the first people who wanted to be one of my cooking teachers had never cut up a potato before. She was a graduate student in nursing. So she was already interested in health. She was probably 25 years old and had never faced a raw potato before. That and means I don't think she got a good education, and we can do better than that. Well, and, and, it, and it's actually daunting. I, I know people, I mean, Sita and I walk into a kitchen, and it's kind of like we're at home, you know, but there are a lot of people who I know, fairly enough, that are daunted when you say, oh, I just created some scalloped potatoes or I made a millet porridge in the morning it's like uh is that in a box and does it have directions on it yes. right i mean it's a foreign concept well and on that topic mark since linda you were speaking about home economics i remember even when i was in high school home economics was here's a box of cupcake mix now make yourself cupcakes. Oh. We weren't actually learning to cook. And I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, what is the purpose of this credit again? Because I don't really know what I'm learning here. And now through this education and through what you're talking about, Linda, I really understand what the function of that class is supposed to be. And it would not take much to get people back there. And just like you said, the more you cook and the more simply you cook, the less money that you're going to spend in the long run, sure. and we should talk about that. Yeah, wildly affordable organic, eat healthy on a budget, our topic in this hour. We're speaking with Linda Watson, author of Wildly Affordable Organic, a fantastic book um, that tells you how to eat fabulous food all on $5 a day or less. Um, she's joining us today from Raleigh, Raleigh. Raleigh. I'm getting this right, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina. And Sita, you're right. It's not about 
um, is organic more expensive because the price on the shelf, of course, does not reflect what it actually took the taxpayer to to produce it. Um, there are $400 billion in the farm bill in the in the package that supports non-organic agriculture or that supports organic agriculture to a minimal amount um, because some organic subsidies are there now finally or support is there finally now in the farm bill. Um, there's $1.7 trillion in health-related, food-related health costs in this country from obesity to other directly relatable diseases um, to the way you eat, just as you said, Linda. We want to dive into some tried and true tips, um, Linda, that you have in your book and that you um, encounter um, when you work with people uh, all throughout the country on teaching them how to eat real food, healthy food, fresh food, um, and how that affects their life and their pocketbook, of course, when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. NextSpace brings together a professional, collaborative workspace with a warm, supportive community. It's a place where you can do your very best work. And now, NextSpace is introducing NextKids, a workspace that also provides great on-site child play care. Hi, I'm Diana Rothschild, founder and chief mom of NextKids. We believe that you can be a better parent and produce better work when you seamlessly integrate work and life. We're better together. Join this conversation at nextkids.us. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today is wildly affordable organic. Yes, wildly affordable organic. Eat healthy on a budget. With us is Linda Watson, the author of that book, Wildly Affordable Organic. Eat fabulous food all on $5 a day or less. And... Um, if you follow us again on TalkStreamNetwork.com as a video podcast, um, this is the very book. Uh, also, AnOrganicConversation.com for a video podcast of our show. Um, or for more tips, Facebook.com forward slash AnOrganicConversation. Um, Linda Watson is joining us today from Raleigh, North Carolina. And um, let's dive in, Linda. We kind of framed in the first part why and how um, you know eating local, fresh, healthy food is important, and um, and the consequences for not. And now we want to dive into the into the tips box. Yeah, and Linda, I think that I think it's really important for all of us. Is it's easy to you know discuss the value of organic food or talk you know say eat lower on the food chain and stuff. But what I think really helps people to move in that direction, and you would know this from writing your book, is those practical tips that, that someone could just grab and use every single day. Can you give us some of those tips to you know, make this real easy to do? Yeah, what's yeah. the yeah, lowdown? Absolutely. Because I, <laughs> I know everyone has, we have busy lives, we want to get on with things. So you don't have to spend a lot of time to do it, and you don't have to spend a lot of money to transform your life by inviting wonderful food into your home. So number one thing, start a Soup container, S-T-O-U-P. That's I call that stew soup, 
and you just put your scraps in there. So, for instance, today at lunch I made a nice pasta sauce. I used half an onion. The other half of the onion I chopped up and I put it in my stoop container in my freezer. I'm just using a mason jar. You can use a plastic container or whatever. I might have a little bit of extra tomatoes tonight. We might not finish all of our beans. I'll put that in there. If we went out to eat, we might bring some food home and put that in there. Layer it up. It's beautiful. It just looks like geological layers as you go through. When it fills up, put it in the refrigerator overnight, let it thaw, heat it up in a pot. You probably have a free lunch. It's fantastic. It, mine usually tastes like minestrone. Must be my Italian background. <laughs> I, I have friends who keep a, an Italian version and a Mexican version so they can separate them. I think, I think it oh, all mixes goodness. up beautifully, even Indian food. <laughs> but this is food most people throw away one-third of their food. Organic costs about one-third more than conventionally raised food. So if you don't throw food away, you can afford organic. Which is, yeah, some, some people actually, the whole waste debate has now um, really become or, or caught the interest of foundations and, and lawmakers. And some people say up to 40, maybe up to half of everything we grow in this country ends up in landfill if it's not compost, gets thrown away, um, whether that's entirely on the household budget or, you know, as part of the, the food chain as it moves through restaurants and, and wholesalers. But, um, of course, that's an astonishing amount, 50%. And whatever you throw away in your household, whether that's that liter of milk or something that you didn't quite eat, um, we, we always you know, say, look at your entire fridge. But keeping, you basically say, even keep cooked foods, yes? Yes, absolutely. So don't, don't waste those scraps. And what's Anything. nice about this, too, is it keeps your refrigerator from being full of all those molding little containers of things. So it helps you with the housework, too. That's I love another, that. another <laughs> That's brilliant. Okay, great. What else? We got that one. Another, yeah, another tip clear. is keep, keep your so stoops is number one. I've got the three S's. Um, stems, so many recipes. You know, this time of year, all those beautiful greens are at the farmer's market. That's what we have this time of year. In January, collards, kale, chard, all sorts of beautiful things. So many recipes say... Cut off the woody stem and throw it away. Well, that's crazy. Not only is that maybe half the weight of whatever you paid for, but that's the part that doesn't shrink. And there's nothing like the heartbreak of cleaning a big bunch of kale or collards, steaming them or cooking them, however you're going to cook them, and it goes from being a big basket full of beautiful greens to a few pitiful handfuls. If you cook those stems along with the onions, maybe some celery, a little bit of garlic, you will have not only that extra weight, but the stems don't shrink. So you really have a good-sized serving at the end of your work of cooking that. So use those stems, and then finally, cook with the seasons. You don't need to buy out-of-season, tired food that's been sitting in a hotel room somewhere for six months waiting for you to eat it. Eat what's fresh and fabulous. It costs you less, and it's better for the environment. I love that tip about the stems. This is something that I found to make a big difference, too, because we do eat a lot of greens, you know, and those stems don't necessarily wilt as quickly if that's what you're using your greens for. But like you said, sautéing, if you chop the stems and you sauté them with some onions, and I like to add chili powder and allspice and pumpkin seeds, and then it becomes its own side dish or its own base for something. It's You get so much volume out of it. What a fantastic tip. 
like through the ends, the ends of asparagus. You're saying the the kale that you buy, the first inch that you usually cut off because it's too woody, that you can rehydrate and cook and even blend up and maybe make soup out of. Is that is that? Am I describing well, this right? For most of the vegetables, I cut off the very bottom, like the quarter inch that was where the farmer cut it, because who knows what sort of, you know, dirt is in there that it's hard to get out. But asparagus stems, because we're almost on asparagus season, if you can believe it, you can slice those lengthwise. You're cutting along with the fibers and then make a fabulous asparagus tea. Cook it in milk if you use milk, a plant milk, even water, and then use that to make a pasta sauce or a quiche, whatever. And now you have twice the asparagus flavor for half the cost. So, um, so Linda, these are fantastic tips and really helpful. But for those people who you're teaching now, who come to the kitchen a little bit nervous about being there, um, yes, they could do a stoop jar and they could use the stems, and these are great tips for them. What's a couple of even simpler tips for someone who's going to the store who just buys produce willy-nilly, what, you know, not? What's a couple of simple tips that people could do that you could give to us? First of all, cook dried beans. You'll save huh? okay. 75% over canned beans. It takes you 10 minutes. I have a video on how to clean them on cookforgood.com if you want to have me show you how to clean those. But you can do that in a slow cooker. So what's so great? Sort through your beans, rinse them off, put them in your slow cooker. You don't need to pre-soak them or anything. You can, but you don't have to. And that can give you, for, say, a dollar eighty. You'll get 10 servings, that's $1.80 a pound, 10 servings of wonderful protein full of folate, which is good for developing children, plus uh, people who drink too much. So whatever end of the spectrum you're on, that's very helpful to have your folate. <laughs> and that freezes well, so now you can make your own fast food. Cook mm. some beans, throw in some tomatoes, onions. Put some pumpkin seeds on top, and there you go. You've got a great meal that way. Yeah, we were talking when we prepared for the show, and, and I'm always, I'm the staple guy, just as you have a, what is it called, a stupor, a stoop box container yeah. um, where you put all your kitchen scraps basically in and then make a new meal, you know, once a week or however quickly it fills up. That's just brilliant. I never thought of keeping a container in the freezer because there's nothing you need to manage even. I'm, I love staples. I, um, you know, a pound of organic rice at this point is 87, 89 cents. For a dollar, you get a pound of rice, and that with a pound of um, beans, as you just said, that is basically a meal. That is the foundation of everything else you might want to add. And you, out of a pound of rice, you, you, yeah, again, get five or six or seven servings out of it. So there you have $3 in cost, and you have you know, let's just say six or seven basic meals. That's an entire week for $3. I mean, talking about five bucks a day, we're talking now $3 a week to have the basic stable, um, stable to, to uh, as a foundation for any meal that you would make. And you don't need to make it that week. You can freeze it. And that means you have, you know, seven days as the dinner um, covered. That's that's amazing, right? If you, if you, are, you fall you on the staples. Freezer, the the freezer is fantastic. I say feed your freezer. Yes, so this your best time friend. Of year, <laughs> it, you know, don't, don't waste that space with, you know, those fake pizzas and whatnot. But mm. Let the store keep those. So if your power goes out, all that processed food, if you have to have any of it, just buy, you know, one thing of ice cream or one frozen pizza if you absolutely must have that. But use that freezer for your 
bean stew. Um, in the summer, I bake, I, I pull out the bread that I baked now when it's cold and I want the heat. I pull that bread out in July and I eat the bread in the very hottest summer of July because I don't have to bake it then. It's uh-huh. Well, and, and Linda, I loved in your book that you made a point of saying, look at the unit price because most of us look at just the price that's on the shelf. Uh-huh. And yet, if you break it down mm-hmm. to, you know, how much it is per ounce or pound or that type of thing, you can learn a lot and actually see what the real value of some products are. Because, not, yes, you can cook rice, you can buy in season, all that stuff. But there are some products that people are going to buy. And yet, even there, you can buy things, find a value there just by paying attention to that, right? Yes, yes. I, mean, I, I drink coffee. Coffee is relatively expensive, and I buy that as a treat for myself. Um, tea is less expensive, but I drink good coffee. If you're going to drink coffee, you might as well drink good coffee because cheap coffee is really quite horrible. But if you compare that to the price of something else, so I say, you know, I'm going to have a 50-cent cup of coffee at home. It's going to be marvelous organic coffee that I've dripped right there. I'm not, I'll go to the matinee instead of going to the evening movie, and I'll save $5 that way. Or I will carpool with a friend to work one day, and I'll save some money on gas. There's so many ways that we let big, big money fly away from us, um, our Netflix subscription, whatnot, that you could just rein in a little bit, and then you could absolutely afford top-quality oh ingredients. <laughs> and those ingredients lead to great meals. They right. do, and great yeah. meals lead to better quality of life. And this is going beyond just the plate for you. It's talking about a whole perspective mm-hmm. and approach life. to the way mm-hmm. you live your life. Right. And and your book, phenomenal. We really enjoy looking through it, and we encourage people to take a look at Wildly Affordable Organic. You've got many more tips. <laughs> <laughs> Many more tips in your book, including your 20-minute starter plan. And I think that that's a really fantastic way to get your freezer stocked, feed your freezer, and save yourself some time. And just uh, overall tips on how you can how you can uh, spend less than $5 a day and still eat the healthiest and most delicious food in the world. And, of course, <laughs> more, more tips are on Cook for Good. That's your website, Linda, cookforgood.com. Um, for more recipes and tips, I assume, yes? Yes, and I have a free weekly newsletter, so come and get a recipe and food news every week. I like to follow, I'm, I love what you do with following the organic movement and the news on that. So uh, We, we love what you do. You're a, a show and a household dream. <laughs> 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 yes, Wildly Affordable Organic, and that's Linda Watson, the author of that very important book, for this year to eat as healthy as you ever have and actually save money. It's not even how to afford it, it's to save money. Wildly affordable organic, eat healthy on a budget, our topic in this hour. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. I know we just touched the surface of your incredible wealth of knowledge, but such good tips. Um, And I know our listeners will appreciate the insight. And again, for more information, cookforgood.com, your website. Thanks for joining us today. Pleasure being here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. Again, Linda Watson, the author of Wildly Affordable Organic. Wow, so simple and so brilliant. Something that's clear to me, even just talking to her, is how she's paced when she speaks. I get the impression that this she is a woman who words. doesn't rush yeah. through anything. <laughs> she has an abundance of time. She has an abundance of food, and it's because she's planning. Yeah. It's just, it's really that simple. <laughs> yeah. Inspiring. Yeah, very inspiring. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yes, not just affordable, but you can actually save money. 
Wildly Affordable Organic, our topic in this hour. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we move from there right into the produce because other than, you know, grain staples and beans and what else would somebody eat, Mark, that would be produce. Of course. That and more when we come back right after the break. Stay tuned. It's a game, and so is work. And just like any game, sometimes your team is in a slump. Maybe it's a new team, maybe there's conflict, maybe you're under pressure to keep up with your own success. Whatever it is, it is time to get your game face on. The ultimate game of work combines game design with executive coaching to create high-engagement workplaces. Boost your team's creativity and performance by designing the game you want to play and win, together with the ultimate game of work. Enticed? Learn more at ultimategameofwork.com. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic in this hour, wildly affordable organic, eat healthy on a budget. Amazing tips by Linda Watson, the author of Wildly Affordable Organic. And, um, yeah, this brings us to another staple of a diet with which is vegetables. Here's Mark Mokehi and what's in season. Well, and speaking of following our topic today, is produce is the perfect budget, organic budget item, right? <laughs> of course. I mean, full of fiber, antioxidants, has, you know, all of these properties that Sita always brings up in her holistic bite. And buying produce, there's a lot of tips there that can help you afford organic. And so on the line, as usual, we have Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market from Earl's Organic Produce here to offer some of his tips from a from his perspective on how to eat organic produce on a budget. Earl. Hello. What you Hello, got for us? Everybody. How you doing? Hey, I'm I'm great. A great great topic. You know, um, especially you know, at this time of year, it, it seems as though your choices get smaller and and, you know, you, you, we've just gone through the holidays, we've spent some money, and how do you, you know, what, how can we save some money? There's, there's lots of great ways. Um, being an ex-retailer like you and I are, Mark, I know every morning uh, before we opened up the store, I would go through and sort out everything that's been on display on the shelves all night. And in doing that, you find Lots of individual pieces of uh, either fruit or, or veg that's deteriorated overnight from being on display, or maybe the first time you put it out you didn't see, uh, you know, some cosmetic challenge that might exist, you know, a little, little hole here, a little rub on a tree, and those get culled out. So this is where um, your relationship with that produce person we've talked about off and on through the years can really come in handy. Because I had people then tell me, you know, I have a dog at home that I, that I sometimes buy food for, or uh, I have some needs that I can use product that isn't like the top quality, and I would save that for them, and they would come in and get the product. 
and a very very reduced price. And you know, if you know your if your customers know you and you know them, then if you have some bruised apples that aren't I mean not that aren't horribly bruised, but just something that doesn't look cosmetically the right for the stand. I mean, that's perfect applesauce, or that's exactly. perfect for cooking, or a potato yeah. that. You know, just maybe looks a little bit rougher, but you know it isn't fully green or anything like that. Just that's exactly what Earl's talking about. What's some other tips, Earl? Well, um, well, well. Let's see. Eating in season is always is always the 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 best way to go because if it's in season, it's going to be at a, at a, at its very best price. And what would that be? This, what would that be now? Well, this time of year, you're still talking about the greens and the apples and the pears, citrus. Big time. This is really the middle of the citrus season. So it, one circumstance you could have was if you eat a lot of oranges or tangerines or you do some juicing, buy a case. Share it with your neighbor. Um, and you can that will definitely give you at least a 10 to 15% price right there. Uh, also, buying in, buying in groups, whether it's your neighborhood or whether it's a friend, that you can anytime you buy volume, you're going to get a better price. Yeah, it seems it seems so simple. It, uh, but I was not aware. I knew that if I bought a case of, you know, soy milk or whatever item that was packaged, a grocery store would usually offer ten or fifteen percent discount on on the whole box. I didn't know that this would apply to produce as well. That you could really just go and say, I want that box of carrots and you don't have to go to a wholesaler like you Earl um, mm -hmm. are but you could go to a health food store and say you know how does a whole box of chart you know what what can you what price okay. can you make me you can actually barter at a health food store level and get a little bit better price for a whole box and again if you don't need it yeah split it with your friends or everyone benefits or your neighbor um, that's amazing for produce it just applies as much right when we're looking at fruit too, smaller fruit is almost always less expensive than bigger fruit, meaning a big shiny apple or a big large navel orange. If you get a smaller size, it's always cheaper. So that's one thing, one thing to consider. Um, also, choice uh, number two fruit, which I was referring to when you call something off. It may have a little twig mark or a rub or misshapen. Like when you have a display of oranges and they're sitting there all day, they can take a funny shape, like a little crease or a little, um, uh, little square look to it. There's nothing wrong with that piece of fruit. Mm -hmm. But that is a great thing to buy. You can get, some, you know, many times you can get 50% off, something like that. Why, why, is, why is that, Earl? Why is smaller cheaper? I, don't, I never really got that. It's, it's as good of an apple, right? Why, yeah. is, it, why is it cheaper? Well, couple things. One is that there's a preference for big fruit, at least in many retailers' mind. They feel it Who looks better. <laughs> it, it, it shows better, if you will. Um, but I tell you, there's, that's really what it is. It's about what they feel, what the market will uh -huh. bear, big fruit. So it's, it's known to be more desirable, so, there, so there's more demand, and thus when the demand is high oh. and the supply is steady, you can sure. get a little bit more money for it. That's Really, the bottom line. So interesting. Well, and yeah. I the um, let's see, uh, community uh, supported agriculture. You know, if you live, I mean, every uh, urban area is surrounded by farming. Whether it's whether it's close to you or, or not very close, there are many farms that are now doing a lot of uh, CSA work. Mm -hmm. um, farmers markets, generally speaking, create that relationship with that farmer. You're gonna just through the relationship itself. They're going to have something. Also, go early or go late to wherever your 
shopping because in the beginning of the day, they're culling out produce. You can get something sorted. And at the end of the day, sometimes they're just, they just want to move something. Uh, like uh, strawberries that have been on display all day, they're going to go, okay, I'll, I'll uh, half the price in this product. And if you're hanging around or, or if you know about it or if they know you're coming, they'll save that product for you. Sure. Those are all great, great. tips. They're really appreciated. You demand. You have your own garden. Um, or you can have your own garden. But Very if you're shopping, true. those are some really great trips for people to follow. It goes in perfectly in line with what we've been talking about already today. Thank you so much, Earl. As always, it's a pleasure, and we will look forward to having you back next week. Save a little money out there, folks. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Earl. Thank you, Earl. Great talking to you. Thank you. Any angle, right? What a wealth of knowledge. He on certainly like is. Anything. He, he's, he's the man. <laughs> he's the man. He's the produce man. Wow. Well, to the other man in the studio, we've got two great men in the studio, each with their expertise. Mark, yours with produce, and Helga, yours with observation. What is what is the organic moment you have for I us I wish today? that, yeah, organic moment. <laughs> it's my view on the world. It's my week of reflection of something that inspired me or some great work that is out there. And um, I wish I had an organic moment on small produce because there's nothing wrong about this little apple that I'm holding. And just because it's not the big apple, it's uh, half the price. <laughs> a lot amazing. of times. Yeah. Anyway, stick with staples and smaller fruit. What a motto for life. But I do want to talk about this year, I found a beautiful poem. Actually, I re-found it. I think I used it um, on this show, actually, in one of the four years that we've been on the air in the beginning of a year, and it kind of fell back into my hands. It's um, by Mark Coleman. Um, it's about thresholds. It goes like this. Sometimes we have to trip and fall, lose ourselves like mist at dawn or take the hand of a friend as we enter uncharted realms. What happens there is hard to say. Layers of silt are removed. Our pellet gets washed away, and the house of familiarity feels hauntingly different. Roles and routines no longer fit as we are cast like spawn into the ocean's mouth, or like light hurled into a starless sky where there's nothing to do but yield to the tuck of the waves, trust the path that takes us to the edge, to the place we can break open and discover ourselves anew. And may that be the spirit for, for this year. There's always an opportunity to change, to grow, to eat all organic, to save money doing so. <laughs> yes, that's my organic moment for this week. Oh, we appreciate it. Thank you, Helga. It is. Um, it speaks to me about bravery, right? About going someplace that you haven't gone yet before because it's been daunting for whatever reason and you need some encouragement or somebody to walk with you through that transformation. Yeah, that's what life seems to come back to over and over and over again. Bravery, or I call it courage, right? Mm. People say the, f the fear, the, the antidote to fear is, 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 um, is courage, really. And when we do enter that realm, um, even though it seems completely nebulous to us where we're headed, um, there's, there's always that hand or that shore. <laughs> like I say, be brave, little piglet. Be yes, brave. be brave. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for tuning in. That was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>